Let us pray. Father, truly you and the Son of the Spirit alone, God in three persons is holy. So Lord, even now draw us into your holy presence that we be made more and more holy by your work in us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. You may be seated. Very clear it's a Memorial Day weekend here. Um, We thinned out for the day a little bit, but I know folks will be back next week. Um, We got this... We had July, and now I think we're back to March these past few days. So, um, But it's so good to see all of you. Thank you all for being here last Sunday on Pentecost Sunday, and just a wonderful time we had. Today, the Sunday after Pentecost, is Trinity Sunday on the church calendar, hence the focus on the Trinity both in our songs and also in our appointed gospel readings and readings today from, from Scripture. However, in a little while, I'm going to read from my preaching text, which is part two of what we started two Sundays ago um, from John chapter 17. So I'd invite you to take out your Bibles as we move forward and turn to John chapter 17, your Bibles or devices with scripture on them, I should say. And again, because it, was Trinity, it is Trinity Sunday, I wanted to make sure that we retained today's appointed lectionary readings, but I will be reading from John 17 in just a few moments. Two weeks ago, we talked about loving our place in the world based on John chapter 17, verse 15, where Jesus said, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, speaking of his disciples, but that you keep them from the evil one. It is God's plan, brothers and sisters, for us to be living here in this place, right here, right now, for for such a time as this. It has never been God's design for his people to be hidden. Rather, by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, his plan is that we would be his people right here in the world. We were not created by God and saved by the blood of Christ just to hold out somehow until Jesus returns. God's heart, God's will, God's intention is for us as his people to thrive here in this world despite the hardships despite challenges, despite even persecution that may come. And to have fullness of joy, as Jesus talks about in verse 13 of John 17, to be in the world, engaging the world, but not of this world. We are called to be salt and light, as we talked about two weeks ago. We are called to make a difference here in this world in the name of Jesus Christ. And today I want to continue with part two of this message, living as God's people in the world. Again, two weeks ago, we talked about God's design that we should love our place in this world. Today I want to talk about living by God's provision here in this world. In order for us to gain an understanding of God's provision for us to indeed live as his people here in this world and how this is applied and becomes a reality in our lives, we need to look again at John chapter 17. So let me read and I invite you to follow along verses 13 through 19 of the 17th chapter of St. John's gospel, the words of Jesus. But now I am coming to you 
And these things I speak in the world that they may have joyful, my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. The word of the Lord. Verses 16 through 19 of this text give us some insight into the ways in which God has indeed made provision for us to be his people here and to thrive in this world. In verse 16, Jesus, Jesus basically, excuse me, in verse 16, Jesus basically reiterates what he prayed in verse 14 with just a slight change of wording. That he makes the same statement essentially twice, emphasizes the fact that as believers, people born again by the Spirit of God, we are not of this world. And why is that? It's because of Christ, who is our Savior, who is our Lord, who is our King. And surrendering our lives to him demonstrates that ultimately our citizenship first and foremost is not here, but is in heaven and is in God's kingdom. We are citizens, brothers and sisters, first and foremost, above all else of the kingdom of God. And our lives, as God works in us, as God calls us to himself, must reflect the values of the kingdom of which we are citizens. We are called to be in the world, but not of it. As Craig Keener, Bible commentator who I quote so often says, this is a separation of values, not of geography. You get that? This is a separation of values, not of geography. Think about it this way. I've never gone scuba diving, but when a scuba diver dives under the water, he or she still breathes air because that scuba diver takes his or her own environment with himself into the water. And it's kind of like that with the kingdom of God. We are citizens of the kingdom of God and we draw our life from Christ and the spirit of God and God's kingdom as he immerses us here in this world to do his good work. We are called to be different, but that is not simply for the sake of being different. Some Christians get that mixed up because they think to be eccentric or to be weird is spiritual. And that's not what God is talking about. Acting bizarre doesn't point people to Christ. You all, some of you know what I'm talking about. Rather, we are called to be different so that God's light shines through us. We are called to be different so that we are the salt of God, rich and full of taste. We are called to be different to make a difference. A transforming liberating difference in people's lives as God uses us as his channels to touch those around us with his life. But what ways has God provided for us to enable or help us to live out our lives here in the world differently than people who are of the world? Well, I think verses 17 through 19 of today's 
reading gives us two key means that God has provided. The first is the provision of God's truth. Look again at verse 17 with me. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify. Sanctify. That's a word we don't hear too often. We rarely hear it outside of the context of scripture or theological discussions or the liturgy. But understanding what sanctification means is key to understanding this verse and God's provision for us to live as his people here in the world. Because sanctify here means to to make holy, to set apart, to set apart or be different for God's purposes. This is not in my text, but just came to my mind as I was taking Old Testament courses in seminary. The idea of being sanctified or set apart for God's people, both Old and New Testament, was very different than the pagan cultures around Old Testament Israel because they would have holy or sanctified women that were temple prostitutes that had nothing to do with reflecting the purity and the character of God. So God's idea, the one true God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, his idea of being sanctified and set apart is not just set apart for purposes of worship, but set apart for worship both of the one true God and also worship in holiness that reflects and emanates his holy and righteous character. So when we're set apart and we're sanctified, we're set apart for God and for his purposes. It's not the same as just being purified. The disciples were already, by the work of God, purified and declared clean. John 13, 10 tells us, Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. And he was speaking of Judas there. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So in addition to being made holy and being purified, the idea of being sanctified here means being set apart and made ready for a specific task according to the Father's will. And what is this task? To do the will and the work of God. How is it in this context that we are sanctified and, or set apart? Well, the answer comes through very clearly. We are sanctified and set apart by God's truth. Sanctify them by the truth. And Jesus continues, your word is truth, verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We know the truth and we understand how to do or to live out the truth as a reality through God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot understand or effectively effectively live out the life God is calling us to apart from the sanctifying work which can work which can only be accomplished as the truth of scripture is applied in our lives by the Holy Spirit of God himself. Folks, we can't lose sight of this. 
It is essential if we are going to really truly live as God's people in this world, if we are going to accomplish his will, we must understand his heart and will and mind. And we cannot grasp and understand God's will apart from spending time in his word, the Bible, and in God's presence. You want to know God's will? You want to understand the heart of, and mind of God regarding an issue, a circumstance, or a situation that you're facing? Spend time in the word. Spend time in God's presence. Spend time in prayer. You can't go wrong this way because this is the expressed will of God. And the leading of the Holy Spirit as the spirit of God speaks to us will always line up and be in accord, full accord with Holy Scripture, God's word. Psalm 119 reminds us, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all scripture is, God breathe, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I want to read to you something that Richard Foster, who many of you have read in his book, Celebration of Discipline, says about the discipline of study. Many Christians remain in bondage to fears and anxieties simply because they do not avail themselves of the discipline of study, referring to study of God's word. They may be faithful in church attendance and earnest in fulfilling their religious duties, and still they are not changed. I am not here speaking only of those who are going through mere religious forms, but those who are genuinely seeking to worship and obey Jesus Christ as Lord and Master. They may sing with gusto, pray in the Spirit, live as obediently as they know, even receive divine visions and revelations, and yet the tenor of their lives remains unchanged. Why? Because they've never taken up the, one of the central ways God uses to change us, study. Jesus made it unmistakably clear that the knowledge of the truth will set us free. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free, John 8, 32. Good feelings will not free us. Ecstatic experiences will not free us. Getting high on Jesus will not free us. Without a knowledge of the truth, we will not be free. The principle is true in every area of human endeavor. It is true in biology and mathematics. It is true in marriages and other human relationships. But it is especially true in reference to the spiritual life. Many are hampered and confused in the spiritual walk by a simple ignorance of the truth. Worse yet, many have been brought into the most cruel bondage by false teaching. You traverse sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves, Matthew twenty-three fifteen. Let us therefore apply ourselves to learning what constitutes the spiritual discipline of study, to identify its pitfalls, to practice it with joy, and to experience the liberation it brings. Systematic study, the discipline and study of God's word, using right and helpful tools, all bathed in prayer as we listen to the spirit of God. That's how we learn and grow to live and know and understand our place in this world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. It must be incorporated into our lives as a spiritual discipline. We do the whole truth as God reveals it to us. 
Remember, God's word is not only true, it is truth. Our being set apart is a consecration to a mission. Our being sanctified is a consecration to a mission. By setting us apart, God sends us out for his purposes to do his will. We must know God's truth. We must wholeheartedly accept it. And we must, by the power of the Spirit of God, act upon it. John 3, verse 21, But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The second way we find in John 17 that God has provided for us to be his people in the world through Christ is through Christ, the son of God, through Jesus Christ, the son of God, through the provision accomplished by Jesus. Look at verses 18 through 19. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. It's important that we understand verse 19 where Jesus says, and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also, that they also may be sanctified in truth. What does Jesus mean here? How and for what did he sanctify himself? For what did Jesus separate or set himself apart? Well, first of all, Jesus set himself apart to do his father's will. John 4, verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. In the specific context of this prayer in John 17, Jesus sets himself apart. He sanctifies himself for the cross. He dedicates himself to Calvary, placing himself completely at his father's service, submitted to his father's will. Matthew 26, verse 39. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In being set apart for his father's purpose, Jesus' path of obedience led through the cross and the grave to the resurrection and to his ascension back to the right hand of the father. It was for us. Did you hear that? It was for us that Jesus sanctified himself. It was for us that he died. It was for us that he rose again on the third day. And it is for us that he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. And in doing this, he did what we could never do or accomplish for ourselves. Secondly, with this point, it is only because Jesus sanctified himself that we too can be set apart or sanctified to do God's will. This is the essence of verses 18 and 19 in John 17. We are set apart to do God's will only because of and through Jesus Christ. Our message must be the continuation of his message. Our mission is the continuation of his mission. As the pastor and noted preacher of the early half of the 20th century, Vance Havner once said, we are not isolated to be insulated. 
moving in the midst of evil, but untouched by it. Separation is contact with contamination. Jesus was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, Hebrews 7.26. Yet he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners, Luke 7.34. God calls us not to be isolated, but to be insulated by his presence and power in us as we live out the reality of being citizens of his kingdom here in this world. And we are to continue his message and we're to continue Christ's mission until he returns. But we only do that as we are submitted to the truth of his word, as we are set apart and sanctified by Christ for his purposes. And as we talked about last Sunday, only as we walk in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. As God's people in this world, we are called to do God's will, to be ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, and God's provision for us to effectively live and thrive in this world, doing his will is by means of the truth of his word through the accomplishments of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, knowing this, knowing that we do nothing of our flesh, of ourselves, but of God, should stir us to passion for Christ, should stir us to passion to be about our Lord's business. And that passion and intimacy will grow and grow and grow as we spend time in his presence, as we're filled and refilled again and again with the Holy Spirit, as we grow in intimacy and love with our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father, we even pray again the words of Jesus, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So Lord, may we be a sanctified people, holy and set apart for your purposes. May we be a people renewed and refreshed by your springs of life through your word, waiting in your presence. And may we be filled to overflowing with your spirit, that the life-giving spirit of God would flow through us out into this community, touching others. Lord, set us apart. Attune us to what you are calling us to in this season as individuals, wherever you've placed us, that we would thrive as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, ambassadors here in this world and set us apart as a congregation to do and be about our Father's business. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.